help you in any way that we can. Amen. So today I'm really excited. We're kicking off a a brand new sermon series that's going to take us six weeks into the future, and I'm excited. We're, we're going to be pressing into God's Word and pressing into God's promise as we are praying for a deeper fellowship, relationship, and unity to be manifested within our church and outside of our church and our community. And so the title of our message today is 40 Days of Community. We are better together. If you have a neighbor, tell them this, say, hey, you're valuable, I need you, and God needs you. Amen, that's a tongue twister this morning. Amen, we are better together. The kingdom of God is better when we are all together on the same page, not on any old page, but on God's page on God's purpose, on God's plan. How do we understand that plan? we got to be in His Word. We have to love God, and we have to love others. Did you know that's the greatest commandment that Jesus gave us in the New Testament? Love God with all your understanding, mind, body, soul, and strength, and love your brother as yourself. Community is a, a cool word. If you study it out, it's, it's two parts. Community. Com is short for commune. I don't know if you've ever heard that word. You know what that means? It's just a small place where people live together and share their belongings and, and, and share life together. And unity literally means unity. The body of Christ has to have real, vibrant relationships with the Father, each other, and we have to be walking talking, running in the same direction, and we have to have unity. Unity within the body. We can pray and ask God to do big, amazing things, signs and miracles and wonders for us, but if we're not all in unity, right, with what God says, and what God commands us to do to, to love each other and love others, then we fall short, and guess what? We actually fail our brother. We're going to see that not only are we better together, but you need relationships in your life. We were never intended to do our faith alone. Lone Ranger Christians, they love God and they bought this little lie. I don't need church. I don't need relationships. All I need is Jesus. You need Jesus, trust me. And I'm not trying to say that anybody else's relationship is more important than his, but that's just a little lie that the enemy will use. You got Jesus, that's all you need. No, you need the body of Christ. And if you're a born-again Christian, it says you've been adopted, grafted into the family of God, the body of Christ, Jesus who is the head of that body, and all of us being different members with specific purposes, different body parts, so to speak. And when the body is in unity, the body moves and flows and goes where God intends it to go. Imagine your body if you were missing an arm. You'd have to adjust the way you live, right? Your body suffers when you're missing an arm. When a born-again Christian is doing their own thing on their own, not being a part of the body of Christ, a, a, a life-giving church, 
that church, the body suffers because that person may be the right arm of that church. All the teams within a church, they all have different functions and gifts and talents and abilities. And God wants to use every one of us to tap into our full potential in the way that he made us. You have special gifts, talents, and a purpose and a plan that God has just specifically for you. You can reach people for the gospel that I can't reach. You have a circle of influence of people that you know, right? And God wants to use you to spread truth, hope, the gospel of who Jesus is, and to launch you into your full potential and giftings in the way that he has made you. Community is unity. And I want to say this before we dive into the outline. This race is not a 40-day race. We're calling it 40 days of community, right? So let's not get all together and on the same page and run this 40-day race. And on day 41, like, hang up the cleats and, and call it a day, victory for Jesus. This is an eternal race. My prayer is that the momentum that happens within these 40 days would carry us into eternity. And that real relationships and real deepness for the love of God and love for my neighbor and my brother would take us and catapult us into the future that God has for us. So if we brought your Bibles, turn to Romans. I want to give you a few verses in the 12th chapter. Romans 12. Verses 4 and 5. Look what Paul says in the book of Romans. It says, just as our bodies have many parts, each part. Somebody say each part. Each part has a special function. So it is with Christ's body, we are many parts of one body. And we all belong. I want you to highlight or underline that word, belong to each other. This is for somebody. You belong here. You belong here in the kingdom of God. Liberty Church is just one tiny member of God's greater body. But I believe, I sincerely do, if God brought you here today to this church, He brought you here today for you to hear that you belong not just to God's family, but to God's family through LCHP. LCHP, Liberty Church, Holly Pond, has a place and a purpose for you. We have a jersey with your name on it for you to get into the game. Y'all know every single day you wake up, whether you want to acknowledge it or believe it or not, you are in spiritual warfare. There is a spiritual war going on out in the world. And God wants you to be engaged in that spiritual war, standing up for truth, fighting for truth. He wants you to know that you are equipped to do that because you belong to his kingdom because he created you. And if you can love him with all your, your mind, your body, soul, and might, and love your neighbor as yourself, he can use you. So you belong here. Not only do you belong to the body of Christ, as we just read, what does it say at the end of that verse? And you belong to each other. Let's say that together. Say this. I belong to my brother. Right? Because if we're all members of one body, Ian's index finger 
belongs to Ian's body because it's attached to Ian's hand, which is attached to my arm, which is attached to my body, right? If you are a born-again Christian, adopted into his family, you belong to Jesus. Who else do you belong to? Each other, his body. And the body is supposed to function in love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, together in unity. We belong to Christ and we belong to each other. Let's unpackage that first thought together today. Let's look at this. Look what it says. So we need to walk, excuse me, we need others to walk with us. We need to walk together, being part of one body together, right? Community is God's answer to loneliness. You need to know that you belong because the enemy wants you to feel alone. When God made Adam and before he created Eve, God, it says in Genesis 2, verse 18, I believe, that God created Adam. He saw it was not good for the man to be alone. So he created Eve as a, a helper to lighten his load. And just as he created woman from man, you need relationship, healthy relationships within your life. Now, those relationships need to be highly prayed over. And vetted, right? Don't just let any, any old person into your life, but you need healthy relationships. As we're going to see today, we cannot grow and go to the level that God wants to take us without relationships with the body of Christ, right? So we need others to walk with. Walking with Jesus means I walk with others. Jesus didn't just call Peter and call it a day. He didn't call just Matthew and call it a day. He started with 12. They walked with Jesus and they walked together. It isn't amazing. Jesus started with 12 and look at where we are today. The glory of Jesus Christ. Because it takes more than one. God can accomplish more for his kingdom than through just his, 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 his promise, his message to the world is, cannot be contained with just one person. So if, if Jesus Christ, if you have a testimony for what Jesus Christ has done in your life, why would you harbor that just for you? If you've experienced some real amazing things in your life that you know are from God. you got to begin to share that with others. you got to begin to shine a light on that. Thank God for that. That thing that God brought you through might just be the thing that that person you work with needs to hear to get them through the thing that they're currently in. And they may not be a believer yet, somebody say, Yet. See, because we got to get this church. This is what we got to get. We're called to love everyone, not just other Christians, other people that have been born again. Jesus raised the standard. He said, Love your enemies. 
Maybe our enemies could be converted if we loved them instead of judged them. Right? They're feeling alone. They're going through a battle. Now, I'm not saying invite that, that person. If they're, if they're living like the devil, if they're addicted to drugs and the alcohol, I, I wouldn't highly recommend just inviting them over to stay the night the first time you meet them, right? But as you build a relationship through trust and share truth in the gospel of who Jesus is, just maybe if we love them the way God loved us when we were in our pigsty, because you ain't been put together that, that long, right? And because he did that for you, God wants you to share that to somebody else. So we got to love the church and we have to love others because God wants his kingdom to grow. Jesus' heart is to see every single person enter into the gates of heaven one day. God does not send anybody to hell. I've told you this a million times, right? We send ourselves. And so if we know that truth and we see somebody and they are self-destructing right before us, our very eyes, are we really going to sit there and say, well, I got my fire insurance. I hope they figure this out. That's not the heart of God. When you're hurting, guess who else hurts? God hurts. And so if I see somebody else hurting, if they're a Christian or not, I should hurt with them because it grieves the Father that one of His children would be hurting. When you're part of the body of Christ, you don't have to fight alone anymore. When you're part of the body of Christ, you don't have to be lonely. I want to open to Ecclesiastes, right in the middle of your Bible there. Go to chapter 4. Go ahead and bookmark it because we're going to bounce back and forth to Ecclesiastes a couple times throughout today. Look at verse 9. It says, Two people are better off than what? Than one. For they can help each other succeed. If one person falls, the other can reach out and help. But someone who falls, what does it say? Alone. Somebody who falls alone is in real trouble. It is not God's intention for you to do your faith alone because He understands if, you, if and when. It's not a matter of if we fall, it's a matter of when you will fall. He sees and understands the danger that that puts a child of God. Many and all will fall. As I said, it's not a matter of if, but when. But few fall with others. When's the last time you had a failure? When you experienced that failure and that heartache and that pain and that despair, did you have other people there to catch you as you fell? Few people don't allow others to see and experience their failure. I don't know why. I think it's because we're steeped in pride. I don't want to see others know that I, I failed or I don't want others to see that I'm hurting. I don't, want to, I don't want others to see what's really going on in my life. And a Christian that's mature enough to share that with somebody that they can trust, 
somebody that they know has their back and somebody that's praying for them, they're not afraid to, for others to see them fail because they know that when they fail, they're not alone. They're not falling alone. They know there's others there to catch them in their failure. So today, do you have a close group of friends, brothers and sisters in Christ, that could be there to help catch you? Not just catch you, but to continue to speak life in that dark place, to speak hope in that dark place, to keep encouraging you and praying for you and lifting you up out of that place. Because being a Christian is a very real and tangible thing. It's, faith is not this invisible belief that I have and that I harbor. It's an external movement of God. When I see somebody hurting, it compels me to be the hands and feet of Jesus Christ. Because it says, as we just read, it is not good for, for our brother to be alone. Because when they fall, it is dangerous. It is dangerous. Maybe you're here today and you're at the precipice of that failure and you feel alone. I want to reiterate, you belong here and you don't have to fight that battle alone anymore. Say that word with me. Anymore. Amen. That is a church. Let's draw a line in the sand and say, you know what? Our church is our responsibility because God gave it. And if I know somebody that's going through something, God use me because I want to I want to be there to help, love, and encourage my brothers and sisters. Look at Proverbs. Skip over to Proverbs. Bookmark Ecclesiastes. We're going to bounce back there in a few minutes. We'll be in chapter 18. Look at verse 24. It says, One who has unreliable friends soon comes to ruin, but there is a friend who sticks closer to a brother. Every one of us needs a brother, needs a sister that can be there. Not an unreliable friend. One that you, I'm sure we've all had an unreliable friend or a buddy, right? They were supposed to help me at this place, at this day, at this time, and five minutes before, right, you get the phone call or the text, the call-in text or the call, hey, something happened, maybe, maybe, God forbid, something really did happen, but maybe there's a little excuse to an unreliable friend. What would happen, and I really believe God wants the body of Christ to be this way, that no matter the hour of the day, that no matter what the situation, if that brother or that sister can, can, can be there for that other person that's, that's hurting or that's going through a failure, that they'll stop whatever they're doing and they're going to go and they're going to be there and they're going to help. They're going to encourage that member, that body part that is suffering because they love God that much and they understand the truth of Scripture that says because they're hurting they're part of the same body, the same spiritual body that I belong to. And because they're hurting, I feel that. And I want to help them. And that's what the power of small groups, as we launch these small groups this week, we have four in Holly Pond, as Pastor Jessica said. These small groups are an extension of Sunday morning church. On Sunday morning, right, I try to meet and greet every single person, but I, there's not a, a, a real depthness that I can get it get into with you on Sunday morning, but in small groups, there is a another layer of of we talked about getting free and being real, right? There is a depthness of of realness that happens in small groups, and people begin to open up, and relationship and community 
begins to take place. I want to say, each week, me and Pastor Jessica, we're going to try and visit every single small group that we have. So if you show up to small group, you may see me and, me and Pastor Jessica there visiting for the night. I'm really excited to get to meet a lot of you in small group. Look at that next point. So being a part of the body of Christ, we have to see that we have to walk together. Look at this next point. As we walk together, we got to labor together. we got to work together for the kingdom of God. Who's our boss? Jesus, right? Not Pastor Ian, not Pastor Keith. Our boss is Jesus, and an extension of Jesus is the Holy Spirit. So as he speaks and ministers to us, we need to listen. We choose obedience and trust that he'll provide, right? So we need to walk together and work together. Community is God's answer to fatigue. I hit this a little bit last week as we're a church, we're, we're a life-giving church, but a lot of our, our members who are serving faithfully on our teams, a lot of them have been serving faithfully for four or five years. Fatigue in ministry is a real thing. And so you got to see the value and the gifting that God has given you because you can provide that rest for somebody else who is serving week in and week out. Who knows who Dick and Tina are? Our children's ministers. Let's give it up for them. Dick and Tina, we love you. I know you can't hear me, but you know what, guys? You know how often they get to come and sit in service? About once every three months. Because they are loving and caring and ministering to our kids. And I'm sure they would be fine with me telling, telling this. They, they love what they do, but they'd be lying if they said they're not a little fatigued. Why? Because they need to be in, in, in church more than once every three months. They need to be filled up. Now, their, their fullness is their responsibility. they got to be in their word every day. got to be in their quiet time every day. they got, they got to be in prayer. That's how we stay full, right? But for what they do and what they give for the church, they deserve to be able to sit in these seats at least one, one, Sunday, every, or one Sunday every month, right? We have to walk together and we have to work and minister together to help alleviate the entire body. And there are people that are called, I'm just picking on children's church, there are people that are called to the worship team. There are people that are called to our, our, our grow track and our, our connection Sunday as we, we're, we're getting people connected to the church. We need sound and media people. We need ushers. We need people who, are, who, who love the word of God that love to teach and to preach. I have a jersey with your name on it. And so we need to work together. Ministry takes love, but it takes work. And we're better together. Jesus said the, the work is, is plentiful, but the laborers are. Let's not be a few church. Let's be an abundant church. Come on, somebody. Let's be a church armed with a yes. Now, I know we have, we, we're busy, right? And that's okay. If you have kids, you got grandkids, you got ball games, I know that. But I do know that we will make room. Somebody say make room for the things that we love. So if you really love God and you really love Jesus and you, and you call Liberty Church your home and you really love Liberty Church, let's make some room. It may mean we have to sacrifice, but guess who sacrificed it all? And it says that we need to share in his sufferings. And if it's something that's giving life, sign me up. Sign me up. 
Amen. So we have to work together, and community is God's answer to that fatigue. Community, guys, think of this, is the remedy for, t- for fatigue. Look at Proverbs 27, 17. Y'all going to recognize this one, you Bible scholars. What does it say? As iron sharpens iron, so friend sharpens a friend. How sharp are you today? Are you sharp? Are, are you free today in the freedom that is Jesus Christ? Are you in your word every day? Are you praying every day? Are you faith-filled every day? I hope we got some folks that are sharp. You, you feel sharp. You feel ready if God calls on you. But I have a, a keen suspicion that there's some of us, you know, we're, we're just working through the, the kinks a little bit. You know when you wake up in the morning and you're like, what happened to my back? Right? We're kind of working out the spiritual kinks. We want God to use us. But I don't necessarily feel so sharp because I'm going through stuff. That's okay. But I want to inspire and invite you all that do feel sharp. As we're talking about community and the body taking care of itself, you who are sharp have the ability to sharpen those who are feeling a little dull. That responsibility falls on us. God God imparts that responsibility on the body. It's my responsibility to know that truth of who Jesus is, but as a member of his body, God, he, he anoints us to be able to help come alongside others to encourage others, to sharpen others, and to help people come up and come out, right? Growing God's kingdom, it takes work, right? We grow and we go and we get sharper together. Look at that next point. So we walk together, we must work together, and I love this. We have to be watching together. Community is God's answer to defeat. <clears throat> Every one of us has a blind spot. We all think we have certain areas of our lives figured out, and I think I have most of the answers, right? And if we're not careful, we'll neglect to know the fact that I have blind spots. You don't know everything that's going on in another person's life. You've, you've judged them. You have labeled them. And you will never have the perspective that God has. And just as God wants to protect your blind spots, He wants to protect your brother's blind spots. And so God is always, the Holy Spirit is always looking out for us with our best interest in mind. And if we believe in Jesus and we're in this cultivated daily relationship with the Holy Spirit, He can speak and minister to us and show us spiritual things that are going on in others that we love and that we care about. And if the Holy Spirit reveals that truth to us, He may, just may, want to use you to help protect that individual. Because we walk together, we work together, and we got to watch together. we got to be watchful and mindful of the body of Christ. I want to brag. Where's all my married folks? Look at all those happily married couples. I want to brag on, uh, on my wife because she does such a great job of covering my blind spots, and i got a lot of them. 
She's always my best encourager, my best cheerleader. And she always comes to me when there's something that I don't see. Now, I may not always be as re- re- receive it in the best possible way, but the Holy Spirit always convicts me and says, you know what, you were wrong there. And so if we're married, you got to know that God will oftentimes use your spouse to help cover your blind spots, but you need more than just your spouse. Amen. We need real brothers and real sisters that can help cover our blind spots also. We watch together because community is God's answer to defeat. Look at 1 Peter 5.8. Look what it says. Be sober-minded. Be what? There it is. Be watchful. Be sober-minded. We need to be in, in unity in the, the mind of Christ. Soberness, but be watchful because who? The adversary of the devil prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. God sees your blind spots, and guess who else sees your blind spots? Why do we need to cover each other's backs? Because the devil who roars around like a lion is seeking whom he may devour. And guess who the lion devours first? The sheep that has wandered off alone, away from the herd, the flock. And so if you're doing your Christian life, your spiritual life alone, you're easy. Someone say easy. Easy pickings. Put that in the chat today. Easy pickings for the devil to defeat you. Jesus paid it all so that you can live in victory. He did that for you, and he wants to use his bride. He calls the church, the body of Christ, his bride. And he wants to use his bride, his spouse. I just talked about our spouses covering our blind spots. He wants to use his spouse to help protect you, to cover you, so that you don't have to experience defeat. You can experience victory. Let's go back to Ecclesiastes. I told you we bounced back there. Chapter 4, look at verse 12. It says, A person standing alone can be attacked and defeated, but two standing back to back can conquer. And three, it says, are even better, for a triple-braided cord is not easily broken. So write this down. This is for free. One is no good. Two is good, but three is better. Say that with me. Better. I hope you have at least two good friends, two Christian believers, but if you can find three, we call it your inner circle. Every person needs an inner circle of people that I can trust that I know what I say with them is confidential if I begin to open up what's really going on in my life and I can trust that what I say is confidential. They have my back. They will fight with me. They are covering and watching my blind spots with me. One is you. One is no good. Two is good. Three is better. Let's say that again. Is better. All right, let's make that our prayer. Let's this year, let's finish this year. Let's, let's all have three people that we can have in our inner circle that I know will be watchful with a sober mind looking out for my best behalf. Look at that next point. 
So we walk, we work, we watch, and we wait and we weep together. Community is God's answer to despair. I know this. If you have an inner circle of people, maybe you already have an inner circle. Praise God on you. You know the benefits of having that, right? That relationship, that, that extension of the body of Christ that you can call them at 2 a.m. You, you know the benefits of, of having that. But those who will weep with you are trustworthy. If they're weeping with you and they ain't putting on a show, they hurt with you, that's trustworthy. That's somebody you can trust. Right? We need that. And we need to be that for others. Right? If they're hurting, we recognize it. That's answer the call because we need to weep and wait with them. The hardest thing to do as a believer, as a Christian, is to wait alone. Is to wait alone. Who's ever been to an amusement park? Imagine waiting in those long lines, right? Some of them lines are like three hours. I'm going to try to use that as a metaphor today. Some of us feel like we're on that we're trying to get on to that to the answered prayer, which is the ride, and we're standing in this line that seems like you've been there forever. It's hot out, right? You're dying, but you really want to ride this ride. You really want God to answer this prayer. And imagine you standing, waiting, weeping, and you're there all alone. No one to talk to, to kill the time. No one to encourage you, man, when we get to this ride, it's going to be so worth it, right? When we actually make it to the promise, it's going to be so worth it. And I feel like there's people in our church that have been waiting and weeping alone. And, and they're right on the edge of just saying, you know what, this, this may not be worth it anymore. I've been hurting this long. No one's even encouraged. No one's called me. No one's reached out to me. No one understands what's going on with me. And it just takes one person to weep and wait with that person that needs that encouragement. Look at 1 Peter 3.8. It says, Finally, all of you should be of one mind, sympathize with each other, love each other as brothers and sisters. What? Be tender-hearted and keep a humble attitude. Our breakthrough to community, our breakthrough to freedom, our breakthrough to growth, our breakthrough to connection, connecting with another person relationally in a real, life-giving, Christ way, well, that person at their level with tenderness and sympathy. What does sympathy mean? It means I empathize with that person and what they're going through. If you can sympathize and have tenderheartedness, the soft, gentle, but still the spirit of truth that Jesus walked in, if you can tap into that, you will connect to that person. And if we can connect to each other, then real amazing things can happen within our church. Every single person desires connection with another person. 
we need community and fellowship with other people because we're open to wanting relationships. What we have to get better at is we got to stop talking about ourselves. The healthiest relationships, they volley back and forth. Any tennis players in the house? I love tennis growing up. So volley, you hit the ball, and they hit it back. And you hit the ball, and they hit it back. And you hit the ball. Healthy, vibrant relationships volley. You open up about you. They sympathize. They're tenderhearted to what's going on with you. And then they open up to you. And you sympathize and are tenderhearted to who they are. And you volley back. And you continue to get better together and grow and go together. Look at Romans 12, 15. Be happy with those who are happy and what? Weep with those who weep. We need to celebrate together and we need to weep together, guys. If you know somebody that, that is experiencing some, some goodness, some abundance, some overflow of God doing something awesome, celebrate with them. Celebrate with them. And then on the flip side, if you know somebody that's struggling, come alongside them. Wait with them. Weep with them. Pray with them. Sympathize with them. Amen. Look at that last point for today. I'm excited as we kick this off, as we're going to dive in about what community really means. And this, this last point for today, it says this. We need to stretch together. We need to stretch. It means we grow together. Community is God's answer to complacency. You can't grow alone. And you can't stay excited over a long period of time alone. You can stay excited for a day, a week, a month, maybe about the thing God said or about this new direction. And you can stay excited, but alone, it'll wear off. And so we need to stretch together. We need others to stretch with. And you, you stretch together. When you're, when you're running with somebody else, we have a tendency to push others. If you try and run a mile, I like to go and run, usually a few, few days a week, usually run two or three miles. I do run alone, but if I really wanted to ratchet up my routine, if I wanted to better my, my times on, on the mile, I couldn't, I couldn't get better and grow alone. I would need somebody to come with me along on my runs to push my pace, right? Because when you have somebody, if it's one is no good, as we said, right? Two's good, but three's better. If you have two or three people that you're running with, it pushes us out of our comfort zones. It pushes us to growth. It pushes us to get better. And not only are they pushing you, guess what? If you're doing it God's way, you're pushing them, and you're getting better. You're volleying back and forth. You're both receiving that abundant promise from God together. And guess what it took to get there, to get to that level of growth, to see that actual data point, that spiritual data point in your life. It took somebody else. Because if you were to continue to do it on your own, you could only get so far. And we get complacent. Right? We can't be complacent as the body of Christ. We have to be forward thinking and forward moving. Because guess who's forward thinking and always forward moving? The devil who is a lion who's roaring around seeking whom he may devour. The devil don't play defense, guys. <laughs> if all you do is play defense, you may, someone say may, 
have gotten complacent. I like to score points. So does God. So does Jesus. We score points together. We have to run together, and God stretches us together through complacency. Look at that last scripture I want to give you today. John 13, 34 through 35. It says, so now I'm giving you a new commandment. Love each other. Just as I have loved you, you should love each other. Your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. So I need to love others the way God loves others. And that's sacrificially and without merit. I'm not going to love somebody if they just check boxes. If they have breath in their lungs, Jesus calls me to love them. And so if I... To, to move into that type of love, to love others the way God calls me to, it means I have to let others in. And I'm going to bounce back to what I said at the top of this today. That doesn't mean you just let anybody in. You need to be prayerful, mindful, and vet those that you're going to allow into your inner circle. But we still have to be a relational people. You can still love somebody who's going through it all. They could be addicted to drugs and alcohol. And you can still be the body of Christ. You can love them where they're at. You can invite them to celebrate recovery. You can give them pamphlets and information on people to call, other churches to visit. You can buy them food. You can still love them, but not be totally right next to them, right? And then on the flip side of that, if I really need to to, to to allow people into my life because I have all these walls up. No one is close to me at all. Nobody knows what's really going on with me. I'm angry. I'm short. I'm, I'm hard to be around as I got all these blind spots. I think no one else sees it, but they do. Is that because I have not allowed anybody into my life? There's two ends of the spectrum. That's not healthy either. I need connection and community with others. I know this about healthy relationships. They push each other to grow, and they always push each other to Jesus. If you can find somebody that no matter what's going on, if they push you to Jesus, to his word, and to prayer, they're gold. And I know sometimes when we're going through it, the last thing I want to hear is, Jesus loves you, right? It's like, it doesn't really comfort me based on what I'm going through sometimes. But at the end of the day, we still need to hear that. right? I need to be reminded of that because there's power in that. And if somebody always directs you to his truth and his promise and who Jesus is, you need to hold on to that person. And you need to draw that person in close. And they can be there for you and when... If the, if the script flips and they find themselves in a pinch, when they loved you, guess what? You're going to jump at loving them and helping them. And so we need to grow and go together. Healthy relationships, they push each other, and they always push each other to Jesus. Say that, say that name with me, Jesus. Jesus, I want to pray over us as we close today. As we're saying that name, Jesus. I want you to think about that name, about what that means, and about who that is, Jesus. Jesus. I want to ask you a question. 
Who is Jesus to you today? You know what? He's what that scripture references when he sticks closer than a brother. He loves us no matter what. Is he your personal Lord and Savior today? If he is, you know the peace and the joy that that brings. And if he is, I want to ask you right now, pray for the lost world, please. Please. But if you're here in the sanctuary or watching us online, when I say that name, Jesus, maybe on the inside you, you get a little nervous. Because you understand with your carnal mind that Jesus is real, but at a spiritual level, he don't have a say in your life. You're the only one that has a say. You make all the decisions. When God speaks, do you hear what he says? He says, quit doing that, and you keep doing it. Where he says, do this, and you keep ignoring it. He, he's trying to have a say, but you're not letting him have a say because you're the Lord of your own 